It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We're recapping what we learned at the Giants OTAs, plus we're spinning ahead and taking a look at the upcoming mandatory minicab. Joining me is going to be special guest, Ed Valentine, a big blue view. That's coming up next on the Locked On Giants podcast, brought to you in part by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you. Thank you so much, everybody, for making us your first listen of the day or if watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. We appreciate you as always, and welcome to a new week. It is the final week of the Giants spring football practices. This week, mandatory minicamp on deck starting Tuesday, running Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, And uh, we will be bringing you coverage of that, of course, all week long. But with the OTAs having completed and us having had a chance to kind of get a a feel for what the Giants are doing, I have brought back a familiar face, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. And we're going to talk a little bit about the OTAs, what we learn, what we still want to learn, and kind of spin ahead to a, a preview of what we are looking for in terms of the mini camp. So first, Edward, thank you as always for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Patty. You know, I, I just hope that people aren't here for my face. Well, they're not here for my face. <laughs> All right. I hope, I hope they're here for what we have to say. <laughs> I'm sure it's a combination of both Ed. I mean, come on. People always ask for you, man. They're like, All right. Ed hey. back on. I'm hey. like, so apparently they like you better than they like me. I don't, I don't know about that, Patty. I, <laughs> I, I, I think maybe they like the fact that I'm one of the few people who's actually willing to give you a little bit of grief and then, and then take what I get in return because it, it. it always comes back. Yes, it does. <laughs> and you know, when I come back at you, it's, it, it's twice as hard as what you come at me, but of course, <laughs> it's all good, folks. It's all good. It's all good and fun. So, all right, Edward, let's talk about what we've learned from OTAs. Now, you know, to, to preface this, obviously, no contact, no pads. We're not going to be able to say, oh, this player looked really good. This player didn't, you know, we can't make evaluations, obviously. But what we can talk about, I think, is how the coaching staff is approaching this, you know, with some of the, the concepts we, we have seen 
during the team drills. So let's start off though with the with the big picture and your takeaways from what you saw with how the practices were structured and, and just basically run. Well, I I like the fact that you know the, the practice structure, like we what we saw Thursday, they ran a short practice, but they went right into 11 on 11 drills. There's there's a lot of 11 on 11, Patty. That that's one thing that that I've noticed is there's there there's an awful lot of 11 on 11. The other day there were more first team reps for Daniel Jones and company than I than I thought we might see. To be honest, I think that's been the case all the way through the practices we've seen is I think there have been more, you know, generally this time of year, everybody splits equal reps and, and things like that. And I think one thing I've noticed is, you know, Daniel Jones and that first group are getting a heavy amount of reps, which I think is great considering that the Giants are implementing a new offense, trying to meld together, you know, what Brian Dable you know, brings and, and what Mike Kafka brings. So that that's one thing that I've noticed. I thought there's been a lot of it, a lot of good energy, you know, Brian Dable making his way around the field, uh, you know, and, and getting to all of the groups. So, so far, so good as far as what I've seen. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, energy and, and you're right, you know, it's been a teaching camp. You know, I yes. asked Dable about that last week. And I said, at what point do you, you know, merge evaluation with, with teaching? And he says, look, all this spring is all about teaching, getting the players up to speed, you know, showing them what the, is, is expected of them. And also for the coaches, getting to learn about the players, what they can do and what they can't do. Because, you know, the scouting reports are great, but you have to see for yourself what right. the players and are capable of doing. One thing that, that I need to caution people who are reading your reports, my reports, the reports on the days that that media hasn't been there, you know, the reports from Giants.com. And, you know, it'll say, oh, Daniel Jones threw an interception. And I think we need to caution people, you know, that Brian Dable has been clear that he doesn't necessarily care. He wants Daniel Jones to try to fit some balls into tight windows right now to to throw some balls that maybe he wouldn't ordinarily throw in a game setting to find out what he can do, to find out what his guys can do, to find out who can make a play for him and who can't, Um, you know, and maybe find out, well, geez, I can fit that ball in that window. So it's, it's very difficult to judge, you know, for the most part and say, oh, he threw a really bad ball. Well, maybe he knew he was throwing a bad ball, but he wants to see how his receiver reacts to him. There was a ball the other day that he threw on a quick out that a Dory Jackson dropped was it would have been an easy pick six. Now that was a bad ball, but but some of the balls we've seen him throw in 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 crowds, I'm not going to criticize him for because I don't know if that's Jones just saying, well, coach wants me to see what happens here because that's what time of year it is is try things, move guys around, see what'll happen, see what works and what doesn't. Exactly. And, you know, to that point, you know, Dable, I think, is trying to rebuild any confidence that Daniel Jones lost because it was clear sometimes to me, you know, the last year or so that he was so messed up from getting hit, from 
what he was seeing, you know, this is a good way, I think, to rebuild his confidence and say, hey, Daniel, it's okay if you make a mistake in practice. At least we know now not to carry it over to the game. Well, you know, if we happen to see, if we see the rookie version of Jones in 2022, I think that's a big step forward. I think you can make an argument, you know, which I think is what you're alluding to, Patty, that that because of the fumbles as a rookie, because of the mistakes, because of the the dysfunction around the offense, that I think the priority for for Jones and the priority for everyone the last couple of years was we don't care how many points you score. We don't care. You know, just don't turn the ball over. Just don't make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And and while you don't want fumbles, you don't want interceptions, you don't get big plays if you're not, you know, willing to throw a 50-50 ball or, or willing to cut the ball loose down the field sometimes. And I think you're right. I think that I think Dable is trying to put that element back in Jones's game. Yeah. Cause you can't play scared out there. You've got, he's a, he's a good deep ball thrower, Patty. He doesn't have Josh Allen's, you know, howitzer, but he's a good deep ball thrower. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw that, you know, I think in the second OTA that, that we had uh, access to a deep ball that he threw to Wandale Robinson for a touchdown, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, he's a good deep ball thrower and you want to take advantage of it. You want him to play quarterback. Yeah. And not play scared, right. which, you know, I think they put the the chains on him, if you will, the last year or so and didn't really do mm-hmm. this guy any favors. But let's talk about the offense at now. You know, obviously they've been putting in installs. We've seen three OTAs, you know, so little bits and pieces we can take away from what's been your biggest impression about how this offense is going to look different from what we have seen maybe in the past well for the last two years the Giants you know ran a very conservative very traditional you know NFL type of an offense with Joe Judge Jason Garrett Freddie Kitchens this offense is it's not necessarily Buffalo's offense. It's not necessarily Kansas City's offense. But this offense, it's really obvious that this offense is going to be a pass-first, RPO, play-action, spread the field, throw the ball to the running backs kind of an offense. I mean, we've seen – we saw a formation the other day with Darius Slayton lined up at running back. Saquon Barkley lined up out wide, and it almost looked like Wondell Robinson was lined up as a pseudo tight end. And, you know, and, and the play ended with a pass to Barkley. But so we're going to see spread the field, quick passing game, a lot of RPO stuff, which which is a lot of what we saw, you know, from Buffalo and, and from Kansas City. So so that's that's a big change. Mm. And another big change is getting Saquon Barkley out in space more, which is what everybody's well, been calling for, for since he basically got here. 
Well, obviously, Patty, this is a time of year when even when they're lined up 11 on 11, they're they're in shorts, they're in T-shirts, they're not even in shells. So you're not going to see a whole lot of hand the ball off and run the ball between the tackles. But it is but it is brutally obvious that that Brian Dable and Mike Kafka recognize that Saquon Barkley is a weapon as a receiver. We've seen him lined up, you know, we've seen him lined up in the slot. We've seen him lined up out wide. We've seen the Giants throw wheel routes and swing routes to him out of the backfield. It's really obvious that that is going to be, you know, a major emphasis. And that's, to me, that's a, that's a better way to get the ball to Barkley anyway, because he's a guy, and I know it drives you crazy. It drives me crazy. We talked about it the other day. I hate watching Saquon Barkley run up the middle because I hate watching a 233-pound man with his talent tiptoe and look for space and try to get out of there. That's the one thing he doesn't want to do is run the ball between the tackles and lower his shoulder and bang into 310-pound defensive tackles and try to push piles. He wants to be out in space. He wants to be in one-on-one matchups where he can try to make guys miss. And I think throwing the football to him is a great way to do that. And by the way, you know, we talked about not evaluating players, but just an impression, Saquon Barkley looks great. Mm. He looks really, really good. He looks mm-hmm. he looks more explosive, you know, than we've seen in a couple of years. Now, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and promise that the Saquon Barkley of his rookie year is back because I just don't know after all the leg injuries that he's had, I don't know that that guy still exists, but, but there is a noticeable difference when the giants put the ball in his hands to when it's in the hands of other guys at this point. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and he looks quick. He looks fresh. You know, this was the first off season in a while he's been able to train and not have to mix training with rehab. And I think he spoke about that earlier in the spring and and just you know everybody's like well you know he says the same thing every year but you know this time you could see it and you know you speak and and you talk you know we talk about restoring daniel jones's confidence even though the the players won't admit it you gotta wonder if maybe saquon lost a little bit of confidence with what he was being asked to do and not being able to do it to the best of his ability because you know it's not a fit for what he does you know it's funny patty you talk about that And I think about a late season game last year with Barkley and there's a photo that we actually used at big blue view. And we might've used it more than once. It might've been a game against Washington where he, he got out into space a little bit and he got in a one-on-one situation. And there was a point in Saquon Barkley's career where one-on-one situations with defenders were a complete and total mismatch. And this happened to be a situation where Barkley got tripped up and the photo just has him sitting on the ground and he's basically pounding the ball on the ground. Like that's not supposed to happen to me. (laughs) You know, that's not one-on-one. I'm supposed to win that matchup. And he, he just looks like a guy who, who is primed to be able to win those matchups more often. Once again. Yeah. I mean, I think this offense is built for, to give him a lot of success. I mean, if it doesn't happen, then it's either because of an injury or just 
right. Dable and, and Kafka totally miscalculated. You know, you, you mentioned that it's the offense isn't quite the Kansas City version. It's not quite the Buffalo version. When I look at it, I see a lot of Buffalo with a sprinkling of Kansas City, like certain maybe throws that they asked Daniel Jones to do or certain, you know, once in a while you see a play and you say, oh, wow, that reminds me of Kansas City. Do you think right now, based on what we've seen, and granted, we've only seen a little part of it, but does it have more of that Buffalo flavor, do you think? I think so, Patty. But again, it's so hard to tell. Um, You know, Brian Dable is the head coach. And I think that that is that is probably where the offense starts with Brian Dable's playbook. And, you know, Mike Kafka is going to bring his wrinkles, his innovations, his, hey, we did this with Tyree Kill and, and, and McCole Hardman. You know, maybe we can do it here with Kadarius Toney and, and Wandale Robinson. So I, I do think there's going to be a heavy Buffalo influence. The, the, the one thing I don't want to see, Patty, the one thing I do not want to see, and, and we've seen it a couple times, and and I don't, and 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 I know that that at this time of year you try stuff. I do not want to see Daniel Jones trying to run power up Thank the middle you. between the tackles. Daniel Jones is going. He Daniel Jones is not. He's not as big and strong as Josh Allen, and and you want to let him to let him, you know, turn the corner and run once in a while on an RPO or a zone read or whatever, but, but running power with Daniel Jones, which we've seen a few times, as I said, running power is going to be a mistake because you run power with Daniel Jones. Tyrod Taylor is going to be playing quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Daniel just doesn't know when to quit. He doesn't know when to quit. And he's as, as big and strong as he is, He's not nearly as big and strong to take those hits as Josh Allen is. He's just not. And I don't, you know, on those plays, I mean, obviously there's no hitting and no contact, but, you know, but he's you question if he can, if he's learned how to protect himself out there. No, he's, he's going to put his head down or lower his shoulder and try to pick up two more yards. And, and and that I just don't want to see. Yeah. I don't either. He's, he's hardwired that way. And, you know, like you said, if he keeps doing that, Tyrod mm-hmm. Taylor is going to be in there. Tyrod Taylor hasn't looked all that bad, by the way. But, you know, still, you you, you want to see what Daniel has because this is a make or break year for him. All right. And before we move to the defense, I got to ask you about two more players on the offense that I think have, have kind of jumped out a little bit. Daniel Bellinger at tight end and Wandale Robinson. Absolutely. Think, yeah, absolutely, Patty. Um, and again, you and I talked briefly about this the other day i'll start with i'll start with bellinger mm-hmm. um giants fans lived through never knowing what was going to happen with evan ingram for five years mm-hmm. ingram you know all kinds of speed all kinds of playmaking ability but giants fans know you know how many how many balls he dropped and how how often catchable balls slid through his fingers. You know, Daniel, Daniel Bellinger is not going to catch every single pass thrown to him throughout his NFL career. He's going to drop a ball every once in a while, but, but this kid catches the football. You throw him the ball underneath, you throw him the ball in the middle. 
you know, he's, he's a reliable receiver. He may not be, you know, a tremendous vertical threat. Although I've seen him get down the seam once or twice, you know, in, in, in OTAs, but this kid can line up in line and get off the line of scrimmage and he can catch the football. And I don't know how much more you want from, you know, from a tight end at this point is, you know, if you, if you're, if you're looking at just move the chains, catch the football, you know, he's been terrific. Yeah, he, he, he's definitely been uh, one of the superstars of, of the OTAs, which I know doesn't mean anything, but, you know, people ask us how the rookies look and, you know, who's right. looking good. He's definitely been one. Wandale Robinson, I think we're starting to see why the Giants liked him and wanted him so badly. Absolutely. And, and you know, we talked about this so much at, at, at draft time at Big Blue View. It's like, okay, everybody said, oh, he's a third round pick instead of a second round pick. Well, Joe Shane told us the night they drafted him why they wanted him. He said they had a very clear vision for how they wanted to use this player. And we hadn't seen it at that point in time because we hadn't seen this team on the field. But we talked about the kind of offense that this is going to be. RPOs, quick throws, get the ball out to the playmakers, you know, let them get yards after catch take deep shots down the field on occasion, you know, when, when they're there, but a lot of this offense, just like it was in Kansas city. And just like what we've seen in Buffalo, a lot of this offense is the quick short passing game, replacing that, you know, hammer the ball between the tackles in the running game kind of stuff. And that's what Wandale Robinson does. He gives you the gadget kind of stuff. Sure. We've seen some, <clears throat> some reverses, some jet sweep kind of stuff. But he's one of those guys, like Kadarius Tony, you know, put the ball in his hands and, and let him get some yards for you. And the, the more we watch this offense, the more I think we see why, you know, why the Giants drafted him. And, and I referenced earlier that the, there was a long pass at one of the OTAs from Jones to, to Wandale Robinson. And and, you know, people may have seen the clip on Giants.com. This was a fantastic contested catch by Wandale Robinson with really good coverage from Aaron Robinson on the play, which tells you that, yeah, he's 5'8", but if you give him a chance, and, you know, at 5'8", there's going to be balls that maybe he can't get his hands on, but if he can get his hands on it, he's going to have a chance to catch it, and he'll fight to make that happen. And the more you see of this kid, the more you have to like. Yeah, I think people are going to be very surprised by this young man. If he stays healthy, um, you're going to see why he was a second rounder, not a third rounder, which, you know, by the way, when these guys get into the building, I think all that goes out the window anyway. It doesn't matter. You're now a giant and you have a specific role to, you know, accomplish. And that's that. And it doesn't matter if you were a free agent, undrafted free agent, first round pick, seventh round pick, whatever. So that's that all is going to go away. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, if you're looking for that special gift but can't decide, or maybe you're ready to pop the question to that special someone, BlueNile.com has you covered. BlueNile.com has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 via phone or chat to help you find a gift within your budget range 
Or if you're feeling very creative, use Blue Nile's online tools to create the perfect one-of-a-kind diamond ring. Whatever your occasion, make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more with the code Locked On. Put your faith in Blue Nile and know that every order is fully insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packagings that won't give away the contents. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today and remember that promo code Locked On for $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, there's only one place to find what you need quickly for your car or truck, and that's at rockauto.com. Rock Auto has over 20 years of offering competitive pricing on thousands of parts for every make, model, and manufacturer. Check out their extensive online inventory, and don't forget to write down Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, Ed, let's talk now about the defense. And before I get to, before I get in deep into the defense, I want to talk about the injuries for a second, because obviously Mm -hmm. this week, Kayvon Thibodeau's uh, injury came up with some concern about whether he's going to be available for the mini camp. Uh, and if not the mini camp, will he be available for training camp? Um, so he, he was brought up as well, as well as Andrew Thomas, who's recovering from ankle surgery. So Andrew Thomas, I think will be fine, but, but uh, the mystery right now is over Thibodeau's uh, injury, which is a lower body injury that I think we know. And, you know, I was watching him at practice you know, running sprints and doing agility drills looked okay to me. What I didn't see, and I think maybe what, what they're waiting on is the explosive burst. I didn't see a whole lot of that. What are your thoughts on that injury? And, and is it a big deal for people to panic at this point? Or, or is it just, you know, calm down? It's only, you know, June, early June. So let's not worry about it. It's the first week of June, Patty. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's the exactly. first week of June. The, uh, the, the season opens on September 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, just the fact that, you know, we saw Thibodeau out on the field. We saw him doing agility drills. We saw him running sprints and maybe those sprints weren't at, you know, 100%. We didn't see him, you know, doing three cone drills, but, but we did see him doing agility drills. We did see him running to me, that tells me that whatever that injury is, you know, can't be that bad and he can't be that far off, you know, if he's out there, if he's out there doing those kinds of things. Um, I had to laugh. I mean, Brian Dable is a rookie head coach, but but Brian Dable has got the whole deflect the question and don't give anybody any information. He's He's got that whole gig down. I mean. He was asked about Thibodeau, and of course, teams don't have to give injury information, and, and he didn't. He's like, well, I don't expect to see him today. Yeah, A lot of things can happen over the weekend. He might be there for mini camp. He might be there for training camp. We'll just see. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and of course, the fan base reads that, and they're like, oh, my God. 
he might not even be ready for training camp. And, oh, we drafted another injury-prone player. And uh, Give me a break. It's, well, it's the f- first week of June. Fans are conditioned, though. I mean, this team has been one of the most injured teams in the league, not just one year. This has been several years there's been an injury problem. Nobody can seem to solve this issue. So I can understand the fans' concern because, you know, I hate to say it, they've been conditioned to expect the worst. Yeah, I get that, Patty. But, you know, when I would be concerned, when I would be concerned is if we get to the end of July and guys like Thibodeau and guys like Andrew Thomas are standing on the sidelines and watching practice when training camp opens. Mm -hmm. That's when I would say, you know, there's there's something there's something to watch here right now. I'm not that worried about it. I'll take it a step further and I'll say, I don't care if they're sitting there on the sideline the first during the acclimation period. I want them ready for when the pads go on because, mm-hmm. you know, the acclimation period, there's no contact, right. there's no, there's no pads anyway. So if they need you an know. extra day or two or whatever, and I think it, this year it's a five day acclimation period, yeah, if I'm, I'm not, not mistaken. Sure. You so know, Patty, I would yeah, no, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, so I, I don't think I would be that concerned. If he's, if they're limited, I would want them at full strength for when the pads go on, because that's when it's going to matter. Right. It did bother me a little bit. If I can back up to Andrew Thomas for just a second, we saw Andrew Thomas during voluntary mini camp out on the field, running team drills. We saw Andrew Thomas, the first two OTAs that we saw out on the field, you know, during the team periods. And he's still limping a little bit. There's, you know, that that's clear, but it bothered me a little bit. And maybe it was just a rest day because they have gone through other OTAs and it wasn't their first practice of the week, but it bothered me a little bit on Thursday that Andrew did not participate in any of the team periods of practice. That bothered me just a little because you, you hope to see guys progress like Shane Lemieux and Dexter Lawrence have progressed out of the red jerseys. Um, and it, to me, that's, that's the least amount of work we've seen Andrew do. And that, that bothered me just a little bit. I mean, just something, just something that I want to keep an eye on when we get to, uh, when we get to, uh, to practices this week. It could, like you said, it could have been a load management type of deal, but so that's going to be interesting to see how Dable approaches that. You know, I know um, coaches in the past have done that where they've dialed back on guys, given them a rest if they, they've taken a heavy load. I guess they rely on the GPS data, but certainly a question I think needs to be asked is how Dable's going to approach that. You know, are you going to rely mm-hmm. on load management or is it just, look, just go out there and just do what you got to do? Because, you know, in a football game, you're going to sometimes play 40 snaps. You're going to sometimes play 60 snaps and, you know, you can't really predict what your load's going to be. So you would think you'd want to be up and running and and, and whatnot. But anyway, let's talk about the defense, you know, Wink Martindale talked about being aggressive. Um, The term bully came to mind Um, watching the defense during the OTAs, some creative stuff. I thought, especially up front in the front seven, um, what were your thoughts on what you saw so far from the defense? Well, we, we see a lot of drills, Patty, where you see the the front seven guys working together and what they're working on. And I don't remember actually seeing this with uh, with Patrick Graham and, and other defensive coordinators, but we see a lot of 
the individual drill period where these guys are actually working on stunts and working on where they go, you know, working on their footwork, working on their timing. Um, Wink Martindale's going to be more aggressive than, than what we've seen in a long time. I mean, going back to Steve Spagnola, Steve Spagnola was aggressive at times, but, but Steve's aggression was, you know, let's get the four best pass rushers we have on the field, turn them loose you know, the, the NASCAR package with four defensive ends and, and maybe sending a fifth guy. This is going to be a kind of defense that, that we're not used to seeing here with the Giants, with, with the creative blitz packages. And, you know, I loved Patrick Graham. I think Patrick Graham's a great defensive coordinator. I think he's really, really good at what he does. But he is more of a I don't want maybe conservative. He's more of a sit back, use coverage, try to confuse the quarterback in, in that way and, and try to get him to make a mistake in that way. Wink Martindale is just a, you know, throw caution to the wind and, and, and just harass the guy into a mistake kind of a defensive coordinator. And one of the big things that impresses me, Patty, is, is, Defensive guys are aggressive by nature. They want to attack. They want to go get the ball. They want to go get the quarterback. And one of the, the things that I think you have to love is how excited these guys are. We talked to Xavier McKinney, and he says, this defense is just, he said, there's so much aggression. You know, and, and, and I talked to, to Justin Ellis, defensive tackle, who played for Wink the last three years in Baltimore. I talked to Justin the other day, and he said, he said, the great thing about playing this defense is from week to week, you never know what we're going to do. You never know how we're going to attack. You never know what, you know, what blitz packages are going to be in the game plan. You just never know, you know, what, what we're going to come up with. And, and I think, you know, we saw Kayvon Thibodeau with a huge smile on his face, you know, a few weeks ago when he was asked about being turned loose by Wink. And, and that's the impression that I have is just how excited these guys are about seeing where this defense goes. Yeah. And they're, they're not alone. And I'll tell you what, one of the battles of training camp, I'm kind of looking forward to watching is the defensive front versus the offensive line, the offensive line, you know, I know we're on defense here, but they're trying to build a bully up as well. So can you just imagine the battles those guys are going to have? I, I, Patty, I don't want to see any, I, I don't know, man, you know, I, I don't want to see John Feliciano and Dexter Lawrence throwing punches. I just don't, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I get it. There's, you know, the, the giants are absolutely trying to build, you know, a bit of a bully on both sides of the ball, you know, Brian Dable and offensive line coach, Bobby Johnson have been clear, you know, about the kind of players that they want on the offensive line. I mean, Bobby Johnson calls Feliciano affectionately calls him a dirt bag. You know, and and yeah, he wants guys to play to the edge, play to the edge of the rules, do what they have to do. And, you know, and I and that's the kind of defense the Giants are building as well is attack, attack, attack. And and as a as a fan, you have to love that, too. I know the players. I know the players are excited about it. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, BetOnline.net is the only place that offers the best information on the latest odds, contests, and player props for all your sports betting needs. No matter what sport you're into, 
BetOnline.net has you covered. Plus, they offer everything you need to know for live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head on over to BetOnline.net today to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Ed, now spinning ahead to the upcoming mini camp, what are you going to be looking for out of these next, you know, three days or what? Yeah, three days it's going to be. Well, you know, part of it, Patty, is just the development of the offense. We've seen some of the patterns in the offense. We've seen, you know, but but like the other day we saw um, as much as Daniel Jones and Wandale Robinson have been developing you know, a, a chemistry and a relationship. We've on last Thursday, we saw some, some really good plays and we saw three or four plays where, you know, where Daniel sort of airmailed Wandale a few times. And, and for me, I think what you want to see is I want to see a little bit more consistency develop. I want to, you know, there was, there, there was a, a, a wheel route that Saquon ran where Daniel basically hit him in the ankles. He was wide open, you know, and, and, and you want to see, you want to see more of those balls start to get completed. And, and I, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to Jones bash at this point because they're still learning a new system. They're running plays. They haven't run before throw, you know, throwing the ball to guys he hasn't thrown the ball to before. But but for me, I want to continue to see the development of this offense, and and I want to see more of those plays connect. Yeah, I want to see the tempo because obviously you want to get to the point where they're playing at an up tempo. You don't want them out there thinking as opposed to just going out there and doing what needs to be done. Because if they start thinking, that means they're playing slow, and it is a new system. They're still learning it, as you said. But I would think at some point, you know, take what all the stuff they've learned to this this point and just be able to go on autopilot so to speak and then any additional installations that might be coming in training camp again the process you know take a couple days to learn it and then boom get on autopilot and i think i think maybe in some ways we're talking about the same thing patty because some of those air mailed balls or balls that might be thrown in spots you know where where jones might think the receiver is supposed to be um, you know, and, and he's not. Some of that might be because it's a new scheme, it's a new offense, it's new route combinations, things like that. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that you know. That's what this time of the year is for. So, yep, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to freak out every time. You know, every time there's a miscommunication between a receiver and a quarterback at this time of the year, you you freak out week four when it leads to a pick six that costs you a game because that's mm-hmm. when it shouldn't happen. Exactly, exactly. And then, of course, the other thing is, is, you know, people ask about the injuries again. Right now, I'm not as concerned about the injuries. I think, you know, if I had to take a guess, I would question if Nick Gates is going to be ready for training camp. Um, And Dable said that, you know, he might probably might not, but Gates is working his tail off to get back. 
And then I'm trying to think, was there, oh, Matt Parrott was the other one, I think, that they're not right. sure if he's going to be ready. And then we'll see if like Sterling Shepard is ready to go. But right now, I would say from the injury perspective, there's not a whole lot that you could sit here and say, oh, my God, this guy, you know, I don't know if he's going to make it or not. Yeah, it's been interesting because a lot of the wide receivers, you know, have been sidelined. Kadarius Tony has been sidelined because of his offseason, you know, arthroscopic knee surgery. Knee surgery. Shepard's been sidelined. Kenny Galladay hasn't been working. Um, I'm really interested, and it's more of a training camp battle, but I'm really interested to see out of the plethora of guys that the Giants have at wide receiver behind that group, I'm really interested to see who emerges. And, and, And right now you can look at it and say, you know, guys like Darius Slayton and guys like CJ Board and and guys like Robert Foster and, and David Sills and a lot of those guys are getting a lot of balls thrown at them right now. Yeah. So they're getting, they're getting an opportunity to show this coaching staff that they can be part of this team. Yeah. And to your point, you know, the fact that Tony and Galladay and, and Shepard, those are your three main guys, you know, and, and, and do you sit there and, you, you know, do you, I guess you, you know, remember Daniel didn't have them all of last season. They were in and out of the lineup. And, you know, does is that cause for concern with this offense, not being able to build up that chemistry again? I don't know. Well, I, I, I don't know either Patty, but I think that what you want, the, the biggest problem was, you know, even once they got to training camp, these guys just weren't, not only were they not in games, but these guys weren't consistently on the practice field. And, mm-hmm. you know, people want to downplay that, but, you know, Kenny Galladay is a really honest guy. Mm-hmm. He's not eloquent in the sense that he'll give you long winded Logan Ryan type answers, but he'll tell you the truth. And he, at the beginning of last year, he said, Hey, you know, I've hardly practiced with Daniel Jones. It's going to take us a while. It's going to be a slow start for this offense. And it was. Mm-hmm. And even at the end of the year, he was like, you know, we haven't really had a chance to build up chemistry because we just haven't thrown together that much. It, it matters. So sure. you want to see guys get on the practice field, at least for even if they're nicked up, at least for the individual parts of practice where they're throwing some routes and doing some drills and you know, if they can get on the field for those, that has to benefit the Giants in some way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, hopefully they get these injuries under control. And I, I you know, I, I'm, I think I'm going to see if I can ask Dave what kind of progress they've made on that. I know I asked him that early on in the system and he's like, well, we're still looking at it. And, you know, I know injuries, you can't really predict them. But there, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are things that they can do to address the soft tissue ish- injuries. And by the way, you notice they brought back the, the uh, post-practice stretching, which they had gone away from since I think Tom Coughlin. Right. They had, I just, I just missed, missed the bands call, Pat. I missed the bands call at the end of practice. They're not using uh, the bands. Come on. Oh man. I use the bands. I still use oh. resistant bands. It's great. Oh. You know, injuries, injuries, Patty, injuries are so funny, but because you you can't predict them, but, but there's, it, it's amazing that it's year after year after year with, you know, with the same team, because most teams are up and down. Some years are good. Some years are, are, are bad. It's, there's gotta be something, but 
and, and I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's because, you know, fans want to say, oh, it's Ronnie Barnes fault or it's the training. It's the strength coach's fault or it's it's this guy's fault or, you know, whatever. Um, I, I don't think there's any one thing that's ever to blame, no. but it's but it's but it's something that they they have to find a way, you know, and they have to find a way to get these guys on the field. Well, you know, the good the good news is is I, if I'm not mistaken, Buffalo was one of the least injured teams the last several years. So Dable coming down from Buffalo, you know, because the practice structure is another thing. I mean, you don't want to run these guys down to the nub, and no. you know, not not to to single out Joe Judge, but how many times did he run these guys down to the nub? Yeah, yeah, there is that. Um, you know, it's a it, it's a fine line, and you can say, well, these guys are supposed to be in condition you know, which, which they are, they're supposed to come, they're supposed to come in in condition because it's a year round job now. Right. But, but it, it's a fine line. And, you know, the thing that, the thing that, that, that always has mystified me, Patty is no matter what you do, no matter what you do, load management, you know, follow the GPS, follow the, all that data it's a sport guys are going to twist guys are going to take hits guys are going to fall awkwardly guys are going to twist their ankle guys are going to get a foot stepped on you know these these things are going to happen and guys are going to get banged up what has always bothered me more than the injuries themselves with the giants patty is go all the way back to go all the way back to McAdoo. how often have we heard well, this guy's day to day and, you know, he should be back in a couple days and four weeks later, he's not practicing. And why, why can't that? What bothers me is why can't the giants get their injured guys back on the field? Why, why are injuries that they're telling us are, are minor that are day-to-day injuries. Why are they taking four and five weeks to get these because guys back on the field? Because they're not minor. They're not, they're mi- not minor. They're obviously. not telling us the truth, obviously. Yeah. But but, but that's the big thing for me is somehow you've got to get these guys back on the field. I mean, whatever happened to just observing or just go- going off of what a guy says, you know, <clears throat> excuse mm-hmm. me, they have the this all this technology to measure workload and, and, and stress on the muscles. Mm-hmm. Whatever just happened to, gosh, you know, I was just out and I ran, you know, two miles in the heat. I'm exhausted. So I'm going to, I'm going to rest. I'm going to recover, mm-hmm. you know, the, the good old fashioned way. I mean, maybe they don't, <laughs> is it's, it that they don't trust these guys? I don't know. It's, it's funny, Patty, because I'm a Yankee fan and my condolences. If you're a Yankee fan, the argument that, that always happens with the Yankees is the Yankees have a, a load management philosophy as well, where, they give a lot of their superstar players, a lot of their starting players, they'll give them days off when, you know, when it would look like they don't need days off. It's like, oh, he's played every day for two weeks. So we're just going to give him a day off because we think he should have one. But he's going to get hurt anyway. At some point, he's going to get hurt anyway. So, well, he's one of your best players. Why shouldn't he be playing if he's healthy? You know he's going to get hurt eventually, and you know your load management isn't going to stop that. Yeah. So why isn't he playing? Exactly. So it's everybody's got a different theory. Everybody's got different science. And what I, what I would love to see, Patty, that I don't think we've ever seen is we've heard coaches and 
teams refer to the science, but I've never actually seen the science. I've never actually seen the data mm-hmm. as to, you know, what, what can lead to injuries and what can't. I'd love to see it someday. I mean, I, I have theories and, you know, sometimes I think guys are too big. I think, you know, mm-hmm. one theory I know I've seen is, is, you know, guys reduce their body fat and the body fat can protect, can protect some of the ligaments. I mean, I'm not a sports science major or a doctor or anything like that. So I'm not going to sit here and say, well, that's definitely the thing. But I do know in the past, there's been instances where guys have just, they've been workout warriors and I'm talking, they go two, three times a day. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. You got to let the body, you know, calm down and, and heal itself up, you know? So I, I agree. And I, I think there's, there's a certain sense of guys train a certain way. They train their bodies. They're so muscled up that, that awkward movements, they're so muscled up that, that they get hurt when they, when they end up making an awkward movement, you know, they're, or they're more susceptible to getting hurt just yeah. because they're so muscled up. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we'll see, Edward. It's certainly a question that needs to be asked. And I'll see if I can get it in there some way, shape, or form. But anyway, always glad to have you on the program. I thank you very much for joining me and Giant Fans. I should be on, I think I will be on Ed's uh, program later in the week if you want to check in. Um, as long as you're nice to me at Mini Camp. I am always nice to you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're not always nice to me. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Somebody's somebody's got to give you grief. Oh, that's true. And, that, and, and hello, somebody, right? All right. So anyway, somebody, thank you for joining me on today's po- uh, podcast. And Giant fans, make sure you check out Big Blue View Radio. I'm going to be on with Ed uh, after the uh, mini camp. We'll have our wrap up thoughts um, and, and just talk, you know, final thoughts before we head into the nice six well, not long enough, but long break. Um, so that's coming up. And also keep it here on the Lockdown Giants podcast. We'll have Twitter Tuesday uh, tomorrow. So you know what to do. Get your questions in. Um, mini camp coverage is going to be all this week, like I said. And then uh, at some point, we're going to go to our summer schedule where we'll be three shows a week. That'll probably be starting next week. So still a lot to, to come. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day or if watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. Don't forget to hit and subscribe to the uh, Locked on Giants podcast YouTube channel. And uh, until tomorrow, everybody, have a great one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.